an algorithm is just a set of mathematical equation of scoring. That's what the algorithm is. Uh, what shapes an algorithm is the data that we train it on. So if I train the data on a certain age group, a certain ethnic group, right, a certain profile, this is what we call bias. Welcome to the Asian Banking and Finance Podcast, where industry leaders discuss emerging trends and business models, their upcoming projects, and how the banking industry is evolving. And now, here's your host, Paul Howell. Hello and welcome everyone to this podcast episode of Asian Banking and Finance in partnership with TIBCO. For this episode, we'll be talking about bridging the digital gap and how we can humanize the banking experience in the post-COVID world. I'm your moderator. I'm Paul Howell from Asian Banking and Finance Magazine. And joining me today is San Zor, who's the Vice President of Solution Consulting in Asia, Pacific and Japan for TIBCO Software Incorporated. Welcome, San Zor. Hey, Paul, uh, thanks for having me here. Uh, very welcome indeed. Well, we've got a lot to bite off in this particular episode. To start it off, I'd like to ask, how do you see the state or the makeup of the banking industry in post-COVID world whenever that does actually arrive? Wow, that's uh, what's on everybody's mind right now, isn't it? We have been through coming to almost two years and uh, that two years is a long time, and it certainly has changed our behaviors, both from a consumer point of view and both from a tech employee or even, uh, you know, from the business's point of view. Uh, things have changed quite a fair bit. So, so one good example, Paul, I'm, I'm not sure about you, but I, I'm starting to blur the lines between, you know, when I switch between uh, digital apps and work and having a, a bit of a hard time. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I don't think you're alone there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, switching between, you know, YouTube, Netflix, work, Zoom, Salesforce, Workday, you know, all the different apps. But, you know, the, the profound effect that has had on us, both from the usage and consumption point of view, it's... Uh, raise the expectation for right uh, now consumers due to that non-stop you know exposure to these uh, digital services and, and this is not just for work or for transactions but for entertainment as well we're starting to expect that same netflix like so i'm going to code it quite a few times because that that is what several organizations and banks want to emulate as well that type of seamlessness right and it is so true. So customers are getting uh, that level of expectation and, and they want to see that level of seamlessness, Paul, uh, as well as uh, intimacy, if you will, right? Uh, they do expect banks and financial organizations and any other digital services out there to be personable, right? That's why I think what you mentioned about humanizing is, is so, so important in these digital touch points. So so that's uh, what we see so far. Is Is that just the idea of organizations having their digital customer life cycle so that customers can get what they need, do everything that they need, and use all the data that they need without necessarily speaking to someone, but having an experience as if they were speaking to someone. Is, is that a, a good summary? Yeah, you're, you're right. You brought up a really good point. So many banks I've spoken to and, and fintechs, the concept of, uh, you know, structuring the products and services around the, the customer, right? That this concept of this uh, morning to night, if you will, right? That life cycle is indeed what everybody is transforming their businesses around, right? And uh, it is 
it's even more important now that uh, customers are used to the concept of a digital ecosystem, right? So from the time we wake up to, to have my cup of coffee and consume some content, right? And then logging into our first uh, few sets of meetings and, you know, remembering I need to pay some bills and then to order lunch, I suppose, right? For the family from one of the super apps, the digital concierge apps that we have around. And then also remembering that uh, getting alert from my digital banking app that, hey, you know, this particular month, your personal expenses, perhaps on the food and beverage is a little over. <laughs> so that this has become ingrained into our, our digital lifestyle, Paul. And that just puts a, a bit more, you know, a focus on how banks and fintechs are structuring their products and services. It's not just about wrapping around the customer, but now they have to keep into account the customer's other ecosystems as well. How can they wrap around that, uh, you know, the, the other digital partners, digital services? How can they be a part of that, right? So that becomes really important. So what are some things that industry watchers should be looking out for in this new normal when it does arrive? Yeah, yes, Paul. As we were talking about, customer intimacy is one of the key important challenges, right? So customers, as we know, being so condition, if you will, right, <laughs> with these uh, digital products and services, they are expecting that level of uh, uh, every engagement has to be a unique experience, right, a differentiated experience, a personalized experience, right, that that is table stakes now, right. Two years ago, uh, uh, before COVID 2019, this was a new thing, right, this was uh, some competitive differentiator, but now this is table stakes, and as I was mentioning, to give that uh, experience, you, you, you can't do that alone, unfortunately. It, it is an ecosystem play, right? So this ecosystem's challenges is how relevant you are in that customer lifestyle, right? So customers these days are now quite hardened bunch, right? They're not easily pleased, Paul. <laughs> so it's not, uh, you know, show some fancy, you know, user interface or, or, or unique little experiences that they want more. They want more from the engagements, right? Right. And also we're seeing the uh, the question is where, where is the next step, right? If this, uh, you know, unique touches and user interfaces and uh, if that's not enough, well, what's the next step, right? So this brings about the question of digital equity. Uh, what digital equity is about, how much are you valuable to the customer and in the ecosystem, right? From the customer's point of view, I will have high equity if I have a lot of data about the customer, I have a lot of insights about the customer, and I can personalize each touch, each interaction to be a meaningful one. Right to, to be an emotionally invested one, that's seen as high equity. But it doesn't stop there. The customer's other uh, digital partners, like a ride-hailing service, if you will, a food takeaway app, if you will, right? We call these super apps and digital concierges. Uh, I got to be meaningful to them. For an e-retailer, for example, as a bank or a fintech, I suppose with the e-retailers, I should be able to be providing buy now, pay later, or BNPL, which is a really hot topic among uh, fintechs and banks. So as I have more relevance, that increases my digital equity, that increases me as a, a fintech or as a financial services organization showing up more and more, right, in the, the customer's uh, lifestyle, right? So that's a second one. Uh, the third one, of course, is what I call the innovation challenge, Paul, right? So the cliched part, of, and you heard this catchphrase many times, I'm sure, is how data is becoming the new wow, right, of the <laughs> digital enterprise. But, yes, but it's true. 
<laughs> but it's so true, right? You know, in pre-COVID, innovation used to be about, you know, hey, how digitally connected are the APIs or how quickly can you churn out some microservices, right, through DevOps, right? And, and that used to be the main course, right, what um, innovation was all about. But that only gets you to a certain extent. One thing we've noticed is we see a trend pull of how organizations and, and fintechs and banks in particular have moved moved away from creating a very wide breadth of uh, digital services and uh, towards a more focused depth of, uh, you know, consolidating these touch points, if you will, to one or two very easily identifiable, differentiatable uh, channels, right? So, but then uh, to make that happen, there's one really important missing point, and that's data. And every single fintech and bank I'm speaking to these days, when they talk about innovation, the first thing that comes up is all about data. How are we modernizing our data fabric? How are we making it easy for both our customers as well as our, you know, lines of businesses, right, to get access to the data, the right data, the governed data, right? So these are, I think, what's going to be important uh, for, right, uh, for this preparing ourselves for the new normal. Now you've, you've, you've mentioned a whole lot of different goals there, sort of digital equity to the data. What can banks and fintechs do reach those goals while also having some level of speed to market? Or is speed to market still important as well? Yeah, I couldn't stress that enough, right? It is truly a first mover's game. Uh, speed to market, time to market, we call it different ways and if, and agile, right? Uh, we all know how agile is uh, uh, becoming the, the modus operandi to deliver a minimum viable product. It is super, super important to get that out quickly. But as I mentioned, Paul, the most of our time to market, speed to market is focused around APIs and, and microservices. I think the industry has done really, really well, right? The industry has embraced open source technologies and tools. They have embraced methodologies like DevOps to accelerate the delivery fast. But uh, now that the next step in that is, is about data equation, the AI ML equation. This is the next frontier. And now you've got three moving balls in the air for that organizations have to juggle. So it's a pragmatic approach, I would say, right, that gives that important uh, differentiator to be agile and to be fast, right, fast to market, right? So I'll pause here. So I said it quite a fair bit. So, yeah. Well, just before you do that, I might get you to spell out what are the three balls that, that banks and fintechs have to have in the air and, and keep balancing out? Can you explain just a little bit about what those three are and, and what are the challenges with keeping them all in the air at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one, I think we've got a pretty good handle on that. And that's about making new APIs or new capabilities. Actually, the term to use in Agile is features, right? New features available right, at the digital touch points as quickly as possible. We got that ball pretty, you know, nailed down. It's floating gracefully in the air. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, most organizations have got that down to a T. So well done, all of you guys, right? That's great. But the two other balls are the, the data, the data fabric. How do we, you know, uh, where we are right now is that ju just to set the context ball, most organizations got data into one place and they call these data lakes. And that's great. There's governance there, right? There, there's uh, ability to access data in the right way. Um, but the challenge is getting that data into the hands of the business or to that digital touch points in the fastest time possible. 
because if you don't get that, then the value of the data diminishes over time. And, and that's what many organizations, fintechs, banks, telcos, you name it, they're, they're struggling with, right? The main point is not about how to store data, how to process data. That, that's the easy part, Paul. The challenge is how to make that data seamlessly in a timely manner available to all the touch points, all the lines of businesses. So that's a tricky second ball, right? And the third ball, of course, is operationalizing all the insights, right? So, you know, we, we keep talking about AI ML and there's good news and bad news here, Paul, right? So the good news is that uh, AI ML is based on technology that we've known for quite a while. Uh, these are statistics, uh, predictive technologies, and, and we've had that for a long time. So the difference now is that training these models uh, with large amounts of, you know, the right data. And once these algorithms are there, uh, deploying these algorithms, right, using buy now, pay later as a, a good example, that would be a, a great use of that, right, ability to govern the right buy now, pay later algorithm, right, uh, deployed. Oh. Now you have ethics as well, Paul. Let's not forget, you don't want a buy now, pay later algorithm that's biased in, in any for, shape or form because that has repercussions. So that's a third point, right, how to get uh, AIMO right. I might push you a little bit more on that one. In what sort of ways can an API or, or a feature like that have poor or, or even good ethics? What, what are the risks associated with that? Yeah, it is a really a hot ground as well, Paul. So an algorithm is just a set of mathematical equation of scoring. That's what the algorithm is. Uh, what shapes an algorithm is the data that we train it on. So if I train the data on a certain age group, a certain ethnic group, right, a certain profile, this is what we call bias, right? Sure. So the algorithm is uh, trained on that data set. So the outcomes are kind of biased towards a particular, you know, gender or particular, what you call the ethnic background. And that's something we definitely, definitely do not want. And of course, that goes back to the data equation. When, you know, if I'm a data scientist and I want to train my model, right, to assess credit scoring, right, I really want to make sure I'm accessing the right data set, the right governed data set, what I should be getting, and not on something that's either incomplete or overly biased, right? That's a really important point. That makes sense, yeah. Uh, tell me, what are the key technology elements that a bank might need to have in place for this new era of new normal? As we were continuing from our conversation, Paul, and that tricky little second ball, the modern data fabric, we do need that, right? So uh, banks and fintechs and actually many organizations have done a pretty good job in getting the data late. And as if that job is not hard enough, there's another spanner that's thrown into the works, and that's cloud, right? So banks are now uh, having a new variable in the equation as to which data do they move to the cloud and which data do they keep in their current data centers, right? So it, it's not something we have answers for today, Paul. We are, you know, there's regulators play as well. And there's the whole concept of which uh, geography, which, uh, you know, sovereignty laws that you have to operate under. So what we can agree on is that we do need a modern data fabric that is flexible enough to access data, whether it's on-premise or on-cloud or and not being tied into or hard coupled into any particular uh, hyperscaler, a, a cloud provider, right? Because a multi-cloud is a, a very valid strategy. So that's really the first building block, right? And, and the data fabric, as I mentioned earlier, the litmus test, right? How successful you are with the data fabric is how easy can your line of business users get access to the right data that they need in the timeliest manner, 
right? Real time. I hesitate to use the word real time because it brings all sorts of connotations, but I would say in a timely manner. That's really the, the first element. The second element uh, modern fintechs and banks need to have is what we call immersive analytics. So uh, as you can see here, I'm switching from the data itself to the consumption of the data and insights. That data by itself, Paul, doesn't do much, as we all know, but until it becomes consumable. And to make it consumable is where AI, ML and immersive analytics really help us. And if, if you look at that, many banks uh, have done really well in terms of having strong data science teams and also having the right data lakes. But the challenge is how do we, how do we make that in a con easily consumable manner? Technologies like, for example, natural language generation, because believe, believe me, B, I might be part of that generation too. I don't know, Paul. It, it's better for someone to audibly read it to me, what, I, what I'm seeing on the graph, right? Rather than me having to interpret it. So there's a whole a plethora of technology that's there that's aiding in the consumption. So immersive analytics through AIML is the second important building block, right? And of course, ability to operationalize it. And the third one, there is a third one, is cloud optimization. So I, I want to be really careful here. It is not just about moving everything to the cloud because that's actually not that hard, right? Uh, all this uh, regulations and all that aside, it is technically is not a super hard task, right? But sure. uh, as many, uh, you know, uh, organizations have uh, figured out over time, banks in particular, it is tricky because of the aforementioned uh, regulatory challenges and concerns. But on top of that, it can be uh, a costly exercise if you are not careful. Right. So we're seeing and this data point, we're getting outside of the banking industry, Paul, because uh, the telco industry is a really good one. Uh, they are a little less regulated than the financial services uh, institutions are. So they have a lot of leeway. And many of these telcos uh, have moved a significant amount of their work load to the cloud. And that's where the real costs start adding up, right? So you need your data strategy, your, your microservices and API strategy to be cloud optimized, meaning not everything needs to be there all the time. And if you can survive with things like, for example, I'm going to get a little technical now, functions as a service over containers, that's what you should do, right? There's a new whole ground there, uh, frontier there, Paul, but uh, that's a hot topic. That's a third area. Oh, it's really interesting. Tell us, how does TIBCO fit into that huge puzzle that you're drawing for us at the moment? What services does it offer to banks and fintechs that are looking to go down this uh, new route? Glad you asked that, Paul. <laughs> so first of all, let, let me just give a, a quick uh, over uh, five seconds overview of TIBCO. Right? TIBCO has been around uh, from our, our roots are in banking. That's where we, we started from Wall Street. Uh, we are a real-time company. That's how we started life, right? And fast forward to today. I, I have many new customers and even colleagues in the industry asking, so what, what's typical up to these days? The simple answer to that is we, our role is to augment your digital journey by accelerating it all and de-risking it, your innovation initiatives, right, that you're doing with open source. So that statement alone stops uh, quite a few people in their tracks and they go, hang on, hang on, <laughs> TIPCO uh, and open source, what's going on there? So unbeknownst to, to many uh, TIPCO embraces open source technologies ourselves, right? We build many of our innovations and our technologies on open source. 
but we solve the hard problems uh, in three particular areas so that customers can focus on their, you know, the, the difference making experience APIs and, and data challenges they can focus on. So the three areas we help is in one is called connect. Uh, I'll explain a bit more later. Second is called unify, unifying the data. And third is called predict. So predict is fairly self-explanatory. So the first one, what we do when I say connect, we specialize, and this is our DNA, right? Integrating whether the most challenging, you know, uh, systems or applications or data source you need to connect to, ranging to the most uh, cutting edge cloud application you need to connect to, right? Uh, we accelerate that. And we have a clean room lab tests and white papers and studies we've done. We accelerate this connect by three times compared to if you were to code it yourself in Brain Boot or Java or Golang. It's just uh, what we call a highly accelerated, low-risk approach to getting integration and APIs done, right? So that, that's the first thing we do. And the Unify, talking about unifying the data, is all about the data fabric, right? So, so Tipco provides that uh, modern data fabric that gives that ease of access layer for banks and businesses without having to, you know, rip and replace, not at all. We, we augment their data layer strategy we augment all the investment they've done but we specialize in that consumption aspect where we make consumption of data safe easy and timely real time that's the second part the third part of course is AIML so as I mentioned, many organizations have a very strong data science team and, and data scientists uh, that they have are extremely experienced and, and using technologies such as Python or R, right? This is quite common use in, in data science. And we're there to help accelerate the productivity and also govern the models that being generated and being trained to make sure that the model effectiveness, there's a term called drift. That means how far the model has drifted away from its original uh, design effectiveness to, to where it is now. So that's what we govern. We call it model ops, right? And also deploy these models to the real-time touch points. I imagine the checkout point at the e-retailer and you, you there's a little button with a buy now, pay later, right? So that's uh, what we do as well. So this is how we help accelerate these innovation initiatives for. Well, thank you very much, Sanzor. It's been a really insightful session. Certainly for me, I think the biggest takeaway is just that whole idea of the balance needed. I think you said that uh, moving everything onto the cloud, it's actually pretty easy, but it's deciding what to move there, how to host it there, and the interactions and managing the interactions that all of that data has with the different APIs in your ecosystems that makes it a really complicated and ultimately a really fascinating journey that every bank and fintech needs to uh, look at at the moment. That was my takeaway. Is there anything that you'd like to leave our audience with at the moment? Thank you, Paul. And that's a really good summary. Yes, yes, I would like to leave, leave the audience with the thought of get that data. Don't let anything stand between yourself and the data. The technology is there today. There's no reason why you should wait a, a few hours or even a day, right, just to get the data you need in your hands and, and apply analytics in a self-service way, AIMO in a self-service way. So technology is there. Uh, let's talk about it, right? Let's see how we can help you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sanzor. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. That's it from Asian Banking and Finance today. But we'll be back with more news, views, and insights from the banking industry across Asia Pacific very soon. My name is Paul Howell. Thank you very much for joining us.
Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our channel in Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast. For more information, check out AsianBankingAndFinance.net. dot net.